Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is a great joy to be here with you, to be able to celebrate what God is doing. We are at Palm Sunday, and we get to celebrate the King coming into Jerusalem. We get to celebrate that our God loves us enough that he would send his son to rescue us from sin and death and bring new life into this world, a new relationship with God. And we are invited into that. If you can't tell, it's Holy Week and I am getting excited. It starts on Palm Sunday and it ends on Easter Sunday, but truly, Holy Week never ends. The hope that we have in resurrection, the hope that we have in Jesus, the hope of life eternal life is ours in Jesus Christ. And so I am excited to be here, to be able to be able to, to be able to be able to be able to be a part of what God is doing and how God is moving in and through the world. And so you are welcome here. If you are new here, you are extremely welcome here. We are excited that you have chosen to join us on this celebration of Palm Sunday to join with us in worship and in celebration. And my hope is that you will notice that we are serious about Jesus. Uh, We recognize that we're not perfect, but we know the one who is, and that's Jesus Christ. And so we want to invite you on a journey with us to grow in relationship with God, to grow in relationship with one another so that we can love God and love neighbor the way that God is calling us to, so that we can be the people, the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, the way that God wants us to. And so we invite you, as we have been invited by God, to, to go into the world and make a difference on his behalf. Like I said, it's Palm Sunday, but we've been on this sermon worship series called Gospel. Over the past 10 weeks, we have talked about what it is to, to, to be a part of the gospel, what the gospel is, why it matters, what does it mean, what happened, and the gospel in simple terms is the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and the invitation we have into his life. Uh, and that's the hope that we have in all of this, and uh, we have gotten all the way to Palm Sunday. We have, have talked uh, about Jesus' ministry, his earthly ministry, and all of the, the ways that he had healed people, and the ways that he interacted with people, that he sought after the least and the lost in order to let them know that they were valued in his eyes. And we're going to continue the conversation today celebrating right alongside Jesus in the best marketing move of all time, uh, which is uh, Palm Sunday. Uh, Actually, marketing in churches is kind of weird. When you think about marketing uh, for churches, it it just, like to me, it leaves me feeling uh, awkward because I'm not trying to sell you anything. There's nothing I have to sell. Uh, What I have is the message of Jesus. Uh, And what we have as a community is a desire to grow in that relationship. And so marketing seems a little weird, but marketing is all about having people, if you talk to marketing professionals, they would say that there are two things. They want people to remember their name and people to remember the product. Uh, And we've got lots of great examples for marketing. Perhaps you remember Nike's Just Do It. Nike, before they came out with this slogan, they were selling shoes for marathon runners and people who were serious, like track 
uh, athletes, things like that. They were selling shoes for those types of people. And they said, hey, we want to change that. We want to start a campaign that invites regular, everyday people to get fit. Just do it was the slogan that came out. And everybody remember, I mean, it's a great marketing. We know that Just Do It is Nike. And we also know that Nike sells tennis shoes. Uh, it's, it's a good deal. Or maybe you remember the uh, Chick-fil-A's Eat More Chicken. Uh, this is one of my favorites just because I love the creativity. I mean, we've got cows uh, selling chicken sandwiches. <laughs> Like it just, it still may, I'm, I chuckle a lot, uh, but it still just makes me laugh because it's so uh, unique, but it, it reminds us, uh, hey, we know that's Chick-fil-A. When you see the cows, that's Chick-fil-A. Uh, or around Christmas time, another great marketing campaign, advertising campaign, every kiss begins with, and I could probably leave that blank and you could all fill in the answer. Every kiss begins with K because K Jewelers has this, this great marketing slogan, this great advertising slogan. Or, or more recently, again, um, Mayhem, uh, Allstate's Mayhem, the guy that causes all of the disasters. Uh, be careful because Mayhem's coming for you. Um, it's it's uh, an interesting commercial because you're like, wow, yeah, bad things happen. I want not, not to have bad things happen. And if I have insurance, it's going to take care of it. And now I, I just wanted to say, I don't have any stock in any of those things. I, I, I'm not pushing you to have any of those things. Uh, I just think that their advertising uh, has been pretty amazing. It has definitely done those two things of name recognition and what it is, their product, uh, what product they have. Whether it's a chicken sandwich or insurance, we understand that. And good advertising hits on a whole different level because we connect with it. We're like, yes, I, I like that. Either it's humorous and we laugh about it, or it's something that, that, that makes us think and ponder. I mean, this is why the Super Bowl uh, is, is one of those places that has a, a, a huge amount of that. Now, over the past couple of years, I think that they've gotten weird, but there are people people that just want to watch the, the ads that are released on the Super Bowl. And my guess is that if Jesus would have had a PR guy, if he would have had a marketing professional, uh, that, that that guy would have been like, man, Jesus, you are at the top of your game. You are exactly where you need to be right now. Uh, your, your, your product uh, of healing and bringing the kingdom of God is well known. You are recognized as, as this preacher from Galilee, even though it's a backwater town, you are on the top of your game. As a matter of fact, right before Jesus enters into Jerusalem, Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead, putting yet another feather in his hat. He goes to Bethany and, and, and raises Lazarus from the dead. And so Jesus, Jesus' ministry is popping. Uh, he is doing things and people are falling in line. People are paying attention. There is a huge crowd of people that just saw Jesus raise somebody from the dead who has been dead for three days. And, and, and the evidence for Jesus being somebody pretty special is pretty strong. And word of mouth advertising has gone all over the place. Uh, they weren't so high on internet, uh, internet advertising or television advertising in the time of Jesus. But word of mouth was a big deal. 
And so if Jesus would have had a marketing guy, he would have said, this is it. This is the time to claim who you are and to really take hold of uh, all that has been promised. You are the Messiah and you need to do this so that you can be recognized uh, because this will cement you into the advertising hall of fame. Um, uh, Jesus didn't have a PR guy and Jesus wasn't about personal fame or notoriety. What Jesus was about was sharing the message of God and doing the will and the work of God. But Palm Sunday was an entrance the world will never forget. Palm Sunday was an entrance into Jerusalem like no other. And and it stays with us because of the significance of what Jesus did on Palm Sunday. You see, Jesus had as the Son of God, as God himself had set up the religion uh, that, that exists in Jerusalem. The temple was there as a temple to him. Um, and we've been talking about this for a while. Jesus knows what his purpose is, that he has to go to Jerusalem so that he can be uh, crucified. And so he sets his face. He is determined to go to Jerusalem. And on Palm Sunday... After raising Lazarus from the dead, he comes to Jerusalem, to the city that, he, that, that is founded to worship him, to celebrate who he is, and yet they don't recognize him. And so Jesus sets out, and I think intentional, about having people understand who he is. Now, here's the deal. Jesus is coming to Palm Sunday. Uh, uh, Jesus coming on Palm Sunday is on a specific weekend. It's a special time during this, uh, this week. It's Passover. Passover is the highest Jewish holiday. And the, the, the uh, Roman historian, he's Jew uh, who is also a Roman historian uh, named Josephus Flavius, records the number of lambs that are offered in sacrifice for Passover. Uh, and, and he was uh, around the same time as Jesus. And so he says that on average, there are about 250,000 lambs that are offered in sacrifice uh, for, for Passover. If we extrapolate that out, you can have about 10 families per lamb uh, or 10 people per lamb. So that's two and a half million people that are in the city of Jerusalem. And it's now that Jesus decides to come in and let them know who he is. And I'm telling you, this is a brilliant move. And so here's what uh, Mark's gospel says. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say the Lord needs it and we'll send it back shortly. Uh, It's pretty simple instructions that are being shared. Go into this town and, and find this donkey, this colt of a donkey that has never been ridden and bring it to me. If anybody asks, Hey, tell them, tell them it's because the Lord needs it and, and uh, the Lord will return it shortly. 
uh, here's what's going on. Jesus is setting the stage. And whether this is miraculous or whether this is because Jesus has set it up beforehand, um, it, it really doesn't matter because it still means the same thing. Jesus is intentionally getting the foal, the, the colt of a donkey, a foal that has never been ridden, so that he can ride into town on uh, 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 on this foal, on the colt of a donkey. And the, the reason that he's doing that is because he is trying to set the stage for other people to recognize uh, that he is fulfilling prophecy. Jesus is being intentional about this animal. That he, it wasn't like Jesus was like, you know, I think it'd be cool to ride the colt of a donkey. I've never ridden a donkey foal. I think I'll do that. I'll ride that. In- no, Jesus was using this as a, as a statement. He's fulfilling prophecy. Zechariah 9, who is a prophet in the Old Testament, says this, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus has chosen this animal so that he can make a statement, so that he can claim that he is who he said he was. Now, here's, here's some interesting information. When we talk about um, this foal or, or Jesus riding an animal into the city of Jerusalem, uh, you know, we don't really catch the meaning. But in the time of Jesus, the king, when the king would enter into his city or his town, whether he had conquered it or whether he was coming in peace, he would ride a different animal. If he rode the war horse, he was coming in victory because he had conquered them and they were his people, or that he was uh, coming from a victory over others and he was demonstrating his power and authority to his people. But if he rode on a colt, he was saying something totally different. I come in peace and in prosperity. I come in hope, not conquering, but instead extending the olive branch. And so Jesus has intentionally set this up so that when he rides into town, he is coming in on a colt, this foal of a donkey. It's intentional. He's not, he's not absentmindedly making this decision. He's tired of walking. Instead, he's doing this to paint a picture to fulfill prophecy. Mark continues, it says this, they went, the disciples went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway as they untied it. Some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They know that it's not their colt. What are you doing? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. Now, whether this was because Jesus had set this up beforehand or because it's a miraculous moment and they are confused and they just say, sure, okay, that sounds perfect. Uh, I lean toward the Jesus had, had set this up beforehand because not many people are like, yeah, go ahead and take my animal. It's cool. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll expect them back later. No, uh, especially when there's that many people there. Uh, So when they brought the colt to Jesus, they threw their cloaks over it. He sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. These are palm branches that they had cut. Uh, Those who went ahead of him, those who followed, shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in 
the highest. Now we can, we can look at this as a miraculous moment, or we can look at this as Jesus setting the stage intentionally. And I think that's exactly what Jesus was doing. Not because he is looking for uh, a, a PR. He's not looking for personal recognition or press. Instead, he is doing this so that he can make that statement. And he does so in spectacular fashion. He rides this colt so that he can say, hey, I'm a king that's coming in peace, but he does it in a very particular place. We, we record that Jesus came in through the golden gate. The golden gate uh, was an entrance that has actually been walled up now, but the golden gate where Jesus rode into Jerusalem was chosen for its significance because on the left-hand side of the golden gate is the temple the religious center of Jerusalem, where all the people that have come for Passover would go for their sacrifice and then would go and share their meal together. Um, but it was also where all of the, the, the meeting between God and the people was supposed to take place. And then on the other side is the Antonian Fortress, where the Roman legion was, in, 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 was living at the moment. And so we have the two seats of power in Jerusalem, the religious power and authority and the Roman power and authority. And Jesus is riding in through the gate that is right in between those two places because the Romans wanted to keep an eye on what was happening at the temple. And so when Jesus rides in, he is making a declaration to both Rome and to the Jewish rulers and authorities in the temple. Uh, he's fulfilling prophecy, and he is claiming himself to be king. He, he is not pulling any punches. He's not trying to be the hidden Messiah anymore. Uh, and that becomes evident because the people are waving palm branches and, and place palm branches before him. Now, palm branches, for those of you that don't know, palm branches are not native to Jerusalem. It's too high altitude. I know we picture uh, Jerusalem too frequently as being just this arid place all around, uh, but there are arid places in Israel. Jerusalem is not necessarily one of them. It's, uh, it, it has a high enough elevation to actually receive snow sometimes. And so when we think about palm branches, we know they don't grow around uh, places that are of that high elevation. So the palm branches were brought in, again, not native and intentional Jesus is using this to make a statement. And then the, 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 the song that they're singing, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord is, is intentional as well because that is the greeting for the King, the Messiah that is to come. And, and he, they, they are talking about him setting up David's kingdom. All of this, all of this, is because Jesus is declaring himself king. Jesus wants them to know without a shadow of a doubt who he is, that he is king and rightful ruler of the authorities of God. Not so much a geopolitical kingdom. As a matter of fact, not even a, a small piece of a geopolitical kingdom, but a spiritual kingdom. Jesus wanted them to know who he was 
because he needed them to understand the threat that he posed to them because he wanted them to know that they needed to act. He's inciting their action. You see, friends, Palm Sunday was an entrance the world will never forget, but not for the reasons anyone expected. I mean, this was Jesus at the height of his ministry, and it looks like a victory. But Jesus is using this as a moment to incite action against him. He rides in in between Rome and the temple to incite them against him. And the reason, it may be the first time you've ever heard this, but the reason that he did that is because he knew that he needed to die. He knew that he needed to die. That was the plan from the beginning. He had been telling his disciples that I must go to Jerusalem so that I may die, so that I can be crucified, so that I can be dead, because after that I will be raised. You see, Jesus is determined to die because you, you were on his mind. His love for you. God's love for you was so overwhelming that even this wasn't too much to pay. That Jesus came so that you might know the radical love and grace that God offers. Jesus is determined to die because you were on his mind and I was on his mind. Jesus wants us to know who he is and wants the the rulers of this world to know that something is happening and, and wants them to act against him because it is in that action that Christ is able to become what he was intended to be, the sacrifice that we receive so that we may have life in him. And so the question can be, hey, what can we do to respond. How do we respond to this historic event, to this action, to understanding that Jesus' radical love was overwhelming and inviting? How can we respond to that? What do we do in order to live into that? And I think we have three pretty decent things that we can do. First, if this is the first time you've heard of this, I want to encourage, or, or, or the hundredth time, or the, the thousandth time that you have heard of this, spend time with God, remembering the mighty acts in Jesus Christ. This week, as I've said, is Holy Week. Take this week and set it aside. Say, I want to connect. Maybe, maybe you're saying for the very first time, I don't, Jesus, I don't even know if you're real, but I, if you are, help me to recognize you. Maybe this is uh, the hundredth time you have experienced Palm Sunday and, and you are a fully formed follower devoted to Jesus Christ. I want, want you to say the same thing. This week, God, I want to set this aside. Help me to recognize your power, your authority, who you are, the mighty acts that you've done, the, the resurrection that you have, yes, but the, the miracles that you performed, the way that you related to people, everything about your life and ministry. Help me to, to think through that and to ponder it and to, to treasure that up in my heart. And then recognize the gift of grace that is offered by that king 
who rode in on a foal of a donkey into Jerusalem, going to his death for you. This is, it's hard for us to talk about this, but this is the gift that we receive in Jesus. We have to understand that in order for there to be resurrection, there has to be death. And so finally, finally, I want to invite you to be a part of what we are doing here. Uh, Now, if you don't live near us, find a place that you can connect for this. Watch online, be a part of our online community, or, or find a place that you can physically connect where you can participate in Holy Week in this week. This week we're having on Thursday night, Maundy Thursday. Not a lot of people uh, celebrate this or uh, understand this. Maundy comes from the Latin mandatum, which means the commandment. Uh, And the command that Jesus gave at the Last Supper was uh, that we should love each other. Uh, A new command I give you, Jesus says. And so this Thursday at 6 p.m. we're going to gather. We're going to celebrate with a Mediterranean meal. And we're going to talk through that night the Last Supper, what it meant, what happened, and why it still matters for us. And then on Friday, we're going to celebrate, and I mean that, we're going to celebrate the crucifixion of Christ. Not because we love to remember the the gory details, but because God loves us so much that even that wasn't enough to hold him back that he offers himself on our behalf. And that's going to be at 6 p.m. on Friday. And then we're going to come back on Easter Sunday and we're going to celebrate resurrection in this place and online. We're going to be able to celebrate what God has done and how God gives us victory over sin and death, victory over the law and victory in all things because we are born new in Jesus Christ. And so we can receive this grace from God right here and right now. We don't have to wait till Easter to receive it. You can receive it right here and right now, and you can live now for the Christ who was bold enough to ride into Jerusalem and declare himself king of all creation and to offer himself on our behalf. Let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift we have in Jesus. We thank you for your love and grace. We thank you for your audacity, for your strength of character, for your integrity, and for your desire for us. Thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you for not stopping. Thank you for pursuing us even into our brokenness and for bringing us into new life. God, help us in this week to focus on you, to embrace your love, and to live out of your hope. We pray this together in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And all of us agreed and said, amen.